Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer a Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer a Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're here today to talk about the Ravens offense from the Carolina Panthers uh, game. Not as fun a discussion, probably, as it was to talk about the defense, but we've got one of our best guests, and that's James Ogden. Uh, you know him as at NFL Ogden on Twitter. James, how you doing? I'm good, Ken. How are you? Uh, loving life, and I love these kind of dirty wins. The guys on the radio asked me, <laughs> yeah, you know, me you, you had to watch this game multiple times. I was like, no, I loved it, you know, kind of thing. But uh, uh, some great defensive play. We got to talk about that on the last show. 
Uh, we'll talk about some offensive line play that I don't think was certainly all good or all bad, but uh, but you know some some generally good points to do. Uh, before we get into that, though, I have to thank our sponsor, Liquid Death, the water that will murder your thirst. Uh, they use aluminum tall boys, folks, and definitely if you want to be environmentally sound, if you have that green streak in you, um, aluminum gets recycled better. And after you 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 try the product for that reason, stay for the flavor. They got great lime seltzer and other things you'll other uh, flavors you'll like. So please give their product a try. They've been good to us. It seems like every week we kind of need to start with an injury discussion for this team. <laughs> And I would love for there to be a week where no injuries happen. And actually, that'd be such good news. We would talk about it anyway. <laughs> but Ronnie Stanley, Hamilton, out this game, uh, lost during the middle of the game. What do you expect the Ravens to try and do in terms of, of covering for those injuries, realizing that we've got a defensive player here we're still talking about? Yeah, no. Um so I think I think Stanley will be relatively straightforward because it does it does seem like both injuries. I mean, we can't really trust anything John Harbaugh says anymore, can we? But yeah. on injuries, but it seems like it may be from. I feel like Lamar was quite candid in his um, in his in his post game interview, so that sort of makes me think a bit more, makes me a bit more confident about the Ronnie Stanley injury. Um, I think that will be reasonably straightforward if it is only a few week absence. Um, I think it'll be Pat McCarry filling in. Uh, which was always kind of the thing that you would be most comfortable about with Makari, just filling in for a few games here and there on different parts of the line. Um, it, it'll be interesting actually to see Farley's development at this point and whether he's whether he's even in the. I mean, we won't ever know this, but whether he's even in the conversation um, as somebody who could who could step in. Uh, who he did he did reasonably when when he when he had to play earlier in the season. So, but obviously lots of lots of uh, lots of areas for development still with him. So I'd be interested to see that. But I would imagine it'll just be Makari coming in for a few games uh, if it's as unserious as we as we think it is. Yeah, I'm with you on there. I don't really think they have another move to make. They're very lucky to have Patrick McCarry that that he's available uh, at this time of year. Because if you have to go to the street for a, a left tackle at this point in the year, you're really up uh, SOL. Let's put it that way. Uh, it's uh, it's very difficult to find a find a guy. So McCarry, while he has has not been great this year at tackle, uh, you know, would be uh, you know a player that that I think can play probably sli- slightly above the replacement level is how I would say it. Um, at left tackle and hopefully get the Ravens through a free games. And it does not mean necessarily that they're going to be able to go without some scheme adjustments to, to, you know, understand with the understanding that the fact that, that McCary is there, the ball may need to come out quickly. Uh, we saw some of that, by the way, in this game, that the ball was coming out quickly from Lamar that, that uh, was fairly effective. So the Ravens may do a little bit more of that um, in this game uh, or sorry, uh, going forward with, with Stanley out. Yeah, I'm sure we'll get into this, but they they chipped Burns a lot as well in this game, and, mm-hmm. and maybe that'll be a uh, sort of a blueprint for them going forward to to use Ricard a little bit more on the chipping. I'm sure we'll talk about that, but he, I think he yeah that seemed to me like uh, that might be the way forward. I agree with you. I think Makari. I think the the scheme adjustments are going to be the are going to be the interesting thing because this this was a game again. We'll get into this, but this was a game where I felt the run blocking wasn't at the same level as it's been. Um, in previous games, uh, certainly not this, the the game before the bye against the Saints, um, and Makari will only bring probably your 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 run blocking level down slightly. I think mm-hmm. um, it's you know he just is, he's just not as much of a road grader. Like he's a bit of a technician as a pass protector and can can do a solid job there. You you have a bit of a trade off, I think, in the run game with Makari. So they'll definitely have to do some stuff schematically to run the run the footballers as effectively as they have been doing. 
Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, uh, let's move on to Kyle Hamilton. So he he left the game, and you know the interesting thing about Kyle was they were using him versus eleven personnel. It did not matter what the Panthers threw out there in terms of three receivers, three shifty guys, three fast guys, three big guys. They, they were playing a lot of eleven. They played some twelve as well, but they played a lot of eleven, and that meant that Hamilton was covering a wide receiver in the slot, which I thought was very interesting and very um, uh, telling about the Ravens' current situation at corner that they didn't go with either Pepe or with um, uh, Stevens in those cases with a bump in of, of uh, um, Humphrey to the slot. Yeah. And I think it was also because they knew, I think I'm not sure we'd have seen that against the team other than the Panthers, mm-hmm. other than in those elements. Like yes. I think, I think they also felt like Hamilton gave them a lot against the run um, as that extra DB on the field. And so that, and that certainly played itself out. I think this is the thing with Hamilton, the thing that I know we're doing offense, but I, I love talking about Cal Hamilton because I did, um, as people who know, who followed me, I did um, a full draft guide this year where I did over 100 reports on on different players. And as you do that, when you go through that process, you kind of feel you nail some players more than others. Um, mm-hmm. Like if I had, if I was doing this for a job and I had an order amount of time, I felt like I would nail a lot more players because I just watched tape and tape and tape and tape mm-hmm. until I got 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 the guy. But Hamilton, I felt like I really got a good grip on who he was. And I think what's been lovely to see recently is the way that the Ravens scouting is married with their coaching and the way that they're now using him because he is at his best when he's going forward, attacking the football. Um, there are some deficiencies that I see in his game when he has to go backwards and um, which is why he isn't always great as a, as a single high free safety but they are using him in the way that he can be best used I think and they are using him in a role where they're really maximizing his talents the and the processing his processing is starting to come into its own like it's taken a, it's taken a while that was his best trait in college and it's starting to come come to fruition he can live with his length live on his length and his um and his explosion for a while, but that processing starting to come along now and we're starting to see the best of him. So it is a real shame that we're going to have, you know, at least a few games without him now because he, he felt like he was becoming a really important piece for the defense. Yeah, I, I agree with basically everything you said. I mean, it's just an ex- extremely important piece of the defense. And you're right. Is In college, you, you you look at that tape and he his play speed is a hell of a lot faster than 4.7. You see him not only... Did he react quickly to where he thought the quarterback was throwing the ball, particularly deep outside, which is something you look for in a single high free safety? But he had a great sense for getting to the right spot, and not all safeties have that. They'll, they'll, we have we have metrics for for how outfielders chase fly balls in the United States about taking the most efficient path to it. But this is something you really notice in watching tape on Hamilton was what an efficient track he would take to get to that spot, and that makes. That improves his effective speed a lot to have that skill. So, yeah, I I, I agree. His downhill play has been terrific. His tackling shows a real understanding of where the sticks are. You know, he had two tackles for five yards on third and five. We didn't on third and eight, third and nine rather. We didn't take a chance on either play. Did exactly the right thing in terms of, of twisting the guy down appropriately. Didn't didn't have to go like a guided missile through the guy and risk missing him which is the other way that, you know, if we had Deshaun Elliott, that might be the way the tackle ends up. So uh, it's, it's great to see him play. And I, I agree. I think he's been just just absolutely fantastic since week three, really since the implosion against the Dolphins um, and, and the likely come-to-Jesus meetings that occurred after that. 
Yeah, I'm sure they did. The tackling, I think, for you uh, that you mentioned, I, I couldn't, couldn't agree more. I think the, there was some sort of question marks around his tackling in the first few weeks, but anybody who, who watched him in college will know, like, he, I, I didn't have any concerns about his tackling coming into the NFL whatsoever. He he was that kind of professional tackler, like you say. And the other thing is he he knows really well how to deploy that length. He's, he's a nightmare yeah. at 6'4 and the, the arm length, and he just knows how to use it really, really well. Yeah, I, I agree completely, and I think that's going to make him a really exceptional underneath zone defender as well. And you know, a quarterback back like Baker Mayfield in particular is going to feel the heat from that being a shorter guy, you know, rolling out. If you have Hamilton in your face, it's a nightmare. If you have Hamilton ten yards off the line of scrimmage, but in front of one of your receivers, it's still a very difficult throw. It's a big increase in difficulty. So I I, I love him as an underneath guy, particularly with the ball hawks on this team. And you know, of course, last week we saw him play the ball in the air exactly the way you want your free safety to do it, except he's doing it from slot corner. Um, that, that is, was really exciting. So I, all of the elements, we got to get back to the, 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 <laughs> the, the, the offense here, but you and I, I know we could talk about Kyle Hamilton for a half hour here. Uh, Deshaun Jackson missed another game here. Um, and, and obviously he, this is the first he's missed as far as I know, due to injury. And he, he had, uh, played one, played well, I thought against, so against Tampa, he played or against New Orleans? It's New Orleans. New Orleans, yeah. right. Okay, so just this is just the first he missed with injury. The Ravens really could have used him, it seems like, in this game. On the other hand, um, something happened in this game that I want to talk about, and that is the Ravens finding a single receiver that they really liked. Okay, so Lamar Jackson doing that. We could really talk about this anywhere. I may as well bring it up now since it's a point that, that, that I wanted to make, is that you know, you have a couple options if you're trying to scheme plays for Lamar Jackson. If you, as you're scripting the plays, you can write out a bunch of plays to a bunch of different receivers. You know, that have the, the the first read anyway to a bunch of different receivers, and that's what really played out against the Saints. Nice indoor conditions, tossing the ball all over, getting new people involved in the offense. I kind of like that, but maybe I don't like it as much, and I don't know. And that's what I want to discuss with you: finding the one guy. And the previous week against Tampa. He found the one guy that happened to be Isaiah Likely in that game. This game, he found the one guy, and that was Demarcus Robinson, who had a huge game. Um, talk us through kind of your thought process on on which maybe could derive more value for for the Ravens in the long or short term. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting. I think he. The thing about Lamar, I'm sure we're going to get into Lamar, so I don't want to talk too much about it. But I think I think the thing for Lamar um, that I've seen over the last few weeks is um, I've got to give credit to um, our friend Michael Mike Crawford for, for this one because he's the one who uh, originally sort of coined this phrase with me, which is the um, he we know he can do the spectacular, but can he do the mundane consistently? Um, is the kind of the question, probably one of the question marks with Lamar. Um, and I think the last few weeks he's done the mundane pretty pretty well pretty competently pretty consistently um and so that's been quite good to see because i think that has to be the blueprint for this offense moving forward i think it probably i, I liked what i saw against i liked what i saw against new orleans in terms of the the offense being as efficient as it possibly could be and i, I think i think i'm my instinct is that the 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 bet, the greater utility for the offense as a whole is if he is able to spread the ball around a little more, mm-hmm. um, and to that that will that will provide for a more efficient offense 
but it, it's difficult to it's difficult to know. I think there have been other circumstances in all of those games, especially in the Carolina game, that possibly contributed a bit to why it wasn't as efficient. So I think it's a difficult one to difficult one. What do, what do, what do you think? Well, I I, I kind of see can see the value on both sides because one of the big things is Lamar builds trust with receivers in a certain way, and and he doesn't have equivalent trust with everybody. I obviously, trust Mark Andrews to to catch a football. And I think that it's actually creating um, decreased marginal value of additional targets to Andrews. He's actually getting intercepted more on those balls because he's trusting Andrews to come down with it. Actually threw nine interceptions on balls intended for Andrews last year. He had one in this game that was actually in- intercepted to the line of scrimmage, but it was on a ball he was, you know, he's trying to throw to Andrews. Uh, it, I, I think there is value in him um, having multiple guys he can go to. I think it's harder for the defense to scheme for. I think it's harder for defensive coordinators and harder for the safeties in game to decide how they're going to react to various route combinations. So I think you have you have that uh, value for the spread the ball out technique. Um, if you're talking about what the value is for, for the individual, though, I think it's about building trust with an additional receiver, maybe one at a time. And I think if you get nine throws to one guy in one game, as he did to Marcus Robinson, you build exponentially more trust than if he makes one good play for you on two targets and, uh, you know, nine consecutive games, say. <laughs> so I, I, I think in the long term, it may really help the Ravens more to identify three or four players over the course of, say, six weeks who can really help them in terms of trust with Lamar. Um, the Ravens are also at a very interesting point in this season because they should not be challenged for a playoff spot. There will be a question. Uh, we agree with that, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. absolutely. And, and it, the, the real question is, in playing all these bad teams, are they going to be able to get at least the number two seed? The three seed, uh, they'll play at home, but it's honestly not that much better than the four seed. The The two seed is a lot better than either the three or the four. It's a big jump up because then you play the the – um, the second best remaining team. It'd be very cool if somehow Buffalo slips in as a wild card instead of the uh, number one, and then the Ravens uh, end up drawing the, say, the number three or four who wins at home, and then Buffalo goes to uh, Kansas City, let's say, to play that first game. That would be just, that would be cloud nine if the Ravens were able to get that. Um, but 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 my point is that the Ravens are going to go through the rest of this this season, and they're going to have a. They don't need to have the same blueprint for winning regular season games the rest of the way that they need to have when they, when they get to the playoffs. And we've heard this from every Lamar detractor for the past you know since he came into the league. Basically, is saying that you can't win that way in the playoffs. And all I'll say is they they can go ahead and build a strategy during these next seven weeks, seven six. Seven, seven weeks, seven weeks. Right? I always get confused. 17 games, 18 weeks. It's all a mess for me. So anyway, they, they can build a strategy during these these next seven weeks um, th- that you know they can keep under wraps and use in the playoffs, but the, I don't think they need those those techniques to win these seven games. No, I think that's I think you you're really right. I and it's a thing I've I've thought about quite a bit. It's kind of do, do what do you do what do they do? What do they do? Do they like how do they pre, do they try and prepare? Do they they potentially even potentially sacrifice a couple of games to try and prepare for a potential playoff jaunt? I think the the thing that was quite encouraging for me about this game about DeMarcus Robinson was because was that he is the 
the best candidate that they have to be a more all-around type receiver. The rest of their receivers have particular skills, particular thing. Even Duvernay has particular things that he is good at. Um, and there will be times when they're all they're all part of the offense, and they, maybe there'll be games where some of them have big games. Andrews will always be that guy, will always be the, the the sort of go-to, but it would be useful if they have someone else who has the potential to be an, to be a more all-around type option that can run different types of routes and can get open on different types in different ways. Um, and Robinson has is the one who has the potential to do that. I, I don't want to carry it away about Demarcus Robinson because he's been in the league a long time now and we haven't had a breakout yet. And he was paired with, wasn't like he was paired with a trash trash QB for the first few years of his career. So I, I don't want to get too carried away about that, but maybe in an offense where there's just a real dearth of options, he does have a chance to to sort of develop himself a bit more. And and I do, I kind of believe in um, in T Martin and Keith Williams' ability to develop some receivers. We've seen, uh, you know, a number of receivers get better under their tutelage over the last couple of years. So it'll be interesting to see whether Robin, whether this Robinson sort of game is something that can be repeated, not, not to that extent, I don't think, but at least to the the point that he is a, you know, a uh, some kind of like close facsimile of Rashad Bateman um, down the stretch. Yeah. So one of the things they talked about and really had not developed until this game was what a great route runner he was in all apparentness from that one game he played in the preseason against Washington, where he twice destroyed a now grocery bagging corner who uh, you know bit heavily at the top of the route on whatever he was selling. One time it was an out. One time it was a it was a, a slant and go that he, that he ran uh, sluggo. So it's he had it a uh, two different ways that he got open. I like to see a guy with two different ways to make sure that he's only got one move. That's not going to fool a lot of cornerbacks who watch any kind of amount of film. If they see the one move, they're going to be still very cognizant not to bite on that one move. Uh, but he does. He, he, he's he's run routes pretty much all over the field. Been open, not afraid to go over the middle uh, on on some deep crosses and whatnot. Uh, uh, shallow cross is more likely to get really hit, but even on deep cross, you you could take a hit from a safety there. And he's uh, uh, you know just seems to be a, a quality receiver. That the Ravens have got. I'm I'm still hoping that the Ravens are going to get value out to Deshaun Jackson. And it's it's a shame that he's you know he's hurt and. You know, Harbaugh's already making, I won't call it jokes. It's it, the, the joke he's making that he see, he hopes Deshaun Jackson doesn't get on him about it. But the, the comment yesterday was that uh, Jackson uh, is older, and so it's taking him longer to get over injuries. By now, you're probably noticing that there's strange tall boys of beer in the bottled water section of your local stores. Well, that's because it's not beer. It's actually mountain spring water from the Alps, and it's called liquid death. Why is it called liquid death? Well, because it will brutally murder your thirst and their infinitely recyclable Tallboy cans help bring death to plastic bottles. They also donate 10% of their profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. By now, you probably know how much I love Liquid Death. Well, every week I tell you about a different way I've used Liquid Death to mess with people. This week it was taking a cooler full of Liquid Death to the softball game. Because as our team chugged down Liquid Death, our play improved while the other team drank other stuff, and maybe got a little sloppy out on the field. So take liquid death. The other team has no clue what you're doing. Or take it to work. We've talked about that many times. Drag it around to your friends at school. Maybe the carpool lane. Maybe we'll talk about the carpool lane next week. Just take liquid death. Enjoy it. It's ice cold water. You're going to have a great time and fun. 
Go get Liquid Death at your local Harris Teeter or 7-Eleven or find Liquid Death retailers near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash film study. That's liquiddeath.com slash film study. I, th- I think that's that's interesting. I, th- I think with, with Jackson, I feel there is a there is a connection it's like it's a bit of a tired one but it is a there is a connection between somebody who can take the top off the defense and and for this for this running offense i think and i think it's interesting that we saw i think the weather was a huge factor in this game um but there was also the factor that there was no real there wasn't really a huge deep threat that the panthers had to respect in this game people Duvernay has great speed, but he's not a guy who people fear beating him, beating them over the top. They fear him beating them with yak, but they certainly don't fear him going over the top on them. And so Jackson, I mean, he's got to actually catch a few balls over the top for for defenses to start respecting that. But uh, I think even his presence will help in terms of opening opening things up underneath, opening up the running game. So. it, he may not be a guy that that creates a great deal of offense himself. He he may be that he's creating for others, but I do think he's an important guy down the stretch. I agree. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, two guys that did not see action. Obviously, one's a job and We don't need to spend time on him, given we're twenty minutes in and and and. But I'm very happy with where the outside linebacker crew is right now in terms of depth and and their ability to be used more in an optimal manner as opposed to out of necessity because, oh my God, we don't have Bowser and somebody's got to play Sam linebacker. You know, it's nice to have people back at their normal position for the vast majority of snaps. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, I think, and I, I think they'll rotate. I think, I think that it's a luxury to be able to hold a job out a little bit longer to, to get into, to be even more fresh um, back. Cause this is a, this is a reasonably quick recovery he's, he's gone through. So uh, yeah, it'd be good to be good to see him on the field. I think they'll start him off with a very short, short snap count, but also they'll they'll start him off when they when they need him to because there's a, also a numbers game that they'll have to play on game day too. Yeah, I mean there there certainly is. They've got extra cornerbacks right now. They've got a lot of guys who are just pure special teams players. The team is is much more pure special teamified, if you want me to use that term, that than I would like. I'd like to have more guys who can play both defense and special teams, both offense and special teams. But right now they've got. They, they don't have a whole lot of that. And Harrison did end up playing four snaps, but he's really a special teams player at this point. And then they have other guys active like Deshaun, uh, Delshawn Phillips, uh, who's been active the whole year. Actually, he was a captain in this game, <laughs> but he's only playing special teams. Seymour is only playing special teams. Worley, I guess, is the backup cornerback. He might be their first guy off the bench if something were to happen to Stevens. Uh, but, uh, you know, I don't even know where he fits in the depth chart. I think he's primarily a special teams guy in terms of the activations they're making. So if you come down to that last extra special teams guy, I know you need speed. You know, I, I keep wondering, wouldn't it make sense? Wouldn't a fifth outside linebacker or having Ben Cleveland active maybe, or something else be a move that would make sense? Now, Ben Cleveland's going to be active next week because Ronnie, presumably if Ronnie Stanley's inactive. So that won't be an issue anymore. But how they get Ajabo and more importantly Kolar into the lineup now uh, is is really important. I think that, you know they have to figure out not so much you know who they have to cut. These guys are both on the fifty three now. They have to figure out who they have to who they have to deactivate on game day. Yeah, I think Kolar is going to be. De- I think he's going to be inactive a lot down the stretch. I, I'd be surprised if they f- if they find a way to get him on the field. It just seems like. 
the four they have are the four they have and that and that's going to stay and he he's a stash i think is possibly the is is possibly the story with him well he's as long as they have the room for the healthy scratches which this team does right now then i really like the idea of him you know making use of the year developmentally being able yeah. to practice you know getting in the right uh connections with lamar during during those practices but if i look at the snap count nick boyle played three snaps I need a more compelling reason for him still to be on the team. I, I think I think the likelihood is pretty high at this point that Boyle catches either one or zero balls the rest of the way. And by the way, if he catches one ball, I bet it will because they try and get him one catch during a scripted set of plays when they think he's playing his last game. <laughs> That'll be interesting. Uh, yeah. I don't know what's going on with Nick Boyle. Uh, it's, very, it's a very strange situation. I, I'd be surprised. They don't really need another pass catching option, mm-hmm. and and Kolar's blocking does not rise to the level of even a a sixty percent sixty percent effective Nick Boyle. So I'd be surprised if he beat Boyle out into a spot currently. But I I don't know what's going on with Boyle. They they've just completely gone away from him. and and this game was a really really interesting example where there were a lot. There I felt there were quite a, quite a number of missed blocks from tight ends in the run game this in in this game. Uh, where you felt like this this is the perfect game where you stick Nick Boyle, you can't run the ball, your tight ends are missing blocks, stick Nick Boyle in, and and uh, they just they clearly do not trust him. So it is an oddity that he's on that he's still on the roster if they don't trust him in this type of in this type of game to go out there and solidify the run game. Yeah, I mean that's exactly true. I mean the, if the elements are like this, if you need to run the ball, if you need to run the ball when the other team knows it's coming, Nick Boyle should be on the field or. I can't justify his spot for, you know, the special team snaps he plays. He's the, he's the number two guy on the right that I've seen recently on the punt team. Uh, and he may have a wing position also on field goals. I really haven't checked it, but he does, he does accumulate some special team snaps. Um, so I'm not saying he's got no value there. I'm just saying I don't know. I don't think the team is relativizing what's happening on, um, punt coverage, kickoff coverage, kickoff returns um, well enough relative to the value of that player on offense. So maybe Kolar's just not ready. I mean, you know, that it could be that simple. He's just, you yeah. know, he's he, they're not really comfortable with where he is in practice and and he'll get there and and when he does, it'll be the end of Nick Boyle. But, uh, but right now, obviously, I think a lot of people are scratching their heads asking the same question. And I think the question actually goes beyond Nick Boyle in terms of this team just has a lot more pure special teams activations than I've seen recent Ravens teams have. Uh, okay, so what do we want to talk about? This was, I, you know, obviously this was a, a game for the defense and one where I think the offense was tremendously disincented to take any risk in this game. And I thought there was a uh, archetypal moment. I don't know if that's the correct usage of that word, but I'm going to try it. Uh, on the fourth and two punt at the beginning of Q2, so if you look at Ben Baldwin or other elements, you look at that and you see, well, there's a win probability gain of approximately 1% for going for it. Now, let's throw the weather out of this because I think the weather actually could bring it down to zero pretty easily. Okay. But throw the weather out of this. If you're playing the Carolina Panthers, you're still making a, a, a fairly sizable wager on that individual play. And it, it'd be my feeling that 
from it may work out from an expected value perspective, but it doesn't really work out from a variance perspective that you're 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 wagering too much. And one thing great poker players do is they want to play a lot of small pot poker to build their stack rather than you know going all in against some guys early in a tournament. Now they have they, you also have a very good idea of of being able to read players and and when they don't have it, but they uh, uh, you know they 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 really are not big fans generally speaking of of. Uh, going all in. Good players like to play small small pot poker, and this is true of a lot of other you know endeavors in life where you're where you're gambling. Is you you want to have as much expected value for as little variance as possible. And I think this was I I liked the play in real time. I knew it was probably going to be a, a, a somewhat positive play to go for it on fourth and two. But I said you know this is just good game management to basically say I don't want this risk despite the fact that it might have a slight positive expected value. Yeah, and also, um, I, th- I think, uh, like, great to sort of take into. I liked the fact that they took into account the the sort of the the the, the game situation. I think because for me, the the Panthers are not they are not a team that are particularly successful at um, at stuffing the run um, when they have to. They've they've not been particularly good over the course of the season at at stopping it when they really had to have it on on short downs on third and fourth down. And uh, they were doing in this game. They were they were they were far more effective in this game. Um, mm-hmm. And so it just it did feel like it felt like the right 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 call to me too. All right. Um, let's see. The Ravens had a streak of 150 plus yards in eight games rushing that that came to an end. That's a shame because the nine plus teams in the Super Bowl era had all won all won the Super Bowl, which was an interesting thing. But anyway. <laughs> Can't rely on it anyway in today's NFL. Anyway, all those all those teams won it 1985 or before. So uh, they won the snap count 66-54. Always nice to do that. Um, looking at how the offense got three and outed multiple times in this game, I give about 85% of the credit to that for the defense for getting the ball <laughs> yeah. back. And, uh, you know, the Ravens offense did some things well. They converted a reasonable percentage on third down, but their 40% on third down, they were 6 of 15, is not as good as the Ravens' twenty five percent holding that they held the Panthers to. Yeah, it, it it felt like it was a a big win for the defense. That 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 particular stat. Yeah, I, I would completely agree. Uh, okay, one of the weird things about this game, kind of like the Tampa game, they came out throwing the ball, and it only lasted one drive in this game. It lasted a whole half against Tampa and they came out with a, the new surprise offense in the second half. I have to use air quotes on that. It's just something <laughs> about that. I know everybody's verified it and they talked to players. Everybody's holding the party line, at least on this, that, that that's really what they intended to do. It's just some, something about it just really doesn't seem entirely right. If it, if they did it that way, it is truly brilliant, but I, I there's something about it that, that just makes you wonder. <laughs> I completely agree. I was going to ask you like, cause uh, how how bad was the wind? What would you? Where would you put it in terms of ranking? In terms of Baltimore game days, uh, we have seen worse in, in terms of wind. And what was interesting is the the wind on that very first series was not too bad, and right. it got a little bit worse as the game rolled on uh, in, until some points where I was really worried about Justin Tucker and that yardage that he was going to have to try some kicks in the in the high forties that wouldn't have been nearly as likely to succeed. Uh, but, you know, it was also wasn't Buffalo. Uh, you know, some of the games you see there in, in, well, really at any time during the year when the wind can get really bad and, and, uh, and you know, your kicks are 
going like a boomerang, you know, to, to, uh, off to the right or left. Uh, it, 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 but it was the kind of weather where I'd have said, this is going to be a tough game for Lamar. He's going to have some trouble throwing the ball down the field. I think they actually did a pretty good job of scheming to throw shorter in this game. Yeah, I think for me, what that that first sort of coming out of the ball, coming out of the gate, passing. I think I've watched the um, uh, as much of the all twenty two back as I could um, before this, and uh, I, it's funny when I, I do battle plans for Russell Street Report, and so I try to um, to come up with the with the, with the game plan potentially that the Ravens should go with. And one of the one of the the thoughts I I sort of had, and it's why I find it quite hard sometimes to criticize Roman and McDonald because I I have to come up with it myself. So <laughs> when they get it wrong, I'm sort of thinking, oh. uh and Greg Roman, I think in this game, I think it it became that when you look watch it back, they used an absolute ton of run action on that on that first series. Um, so when I say run action, I mean they pull guys as if it's going to look like as if it's going to be one of their staple kind of gap runs, and then they drop back and throw the ball. Um, and I, I wanted him to do a bit more of that over the course of the season, um, because you see really good offensive coordinators, I think, get get a lot of success from doing that, from establishing concepts and then using those, building the same building the same concept into several different plays and then yes. using that throughout the game when you get a successful version. And I, th- I think what he thought he was going to do was to get to, to be able to run the, I think he thought to run the ball on this Carolina team, which is what I thought you'd need to do would be to run really heavy gap, run multiple pullers um, and really get a lot of movement in the run game. It seemed, they seemed to struggle with that in, in recent weeks. And so I think he came out throwing the ball to get with that run action to get them off the potential like to really make a second drive effective with lots of gap runs which is what we did what we saw him run in the second drive uh it just it wasn't particularly successful uh so that's what i felt like that sort of strategy was i think from roman yeah it's it's a by the way two two things about this first of all that's a strategy that's been used by older uh, ravens teams in the early harbaugh era particularly was to pull a guard on a passing play was 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 very typical, and you know if you look back at the 2008 Ravens and the kind of bruising offensive line they had, great offensive line by the way, um, 2009 as well, also very very good. Um, is uh, they they pulled Ben Grubbs often just to pass block outside the right tackle, or they would pull Yanda to the left side to, to pass block outside the left tackle. More often Grubbs, but uh, it it really makes that defense react in a certain way and i think anytime you can pull a guard you can probably move a linebacker and doing that will often help your pass game or your run game and in the case of the current ravens really potentially f- uh, uh, open up the middle of the field for lamar yeah and i think the the, the problem was in this game um the, the panthers were only really concerned about the run so it worked to an extent on that first drive uh, but the problem that they got into later in the game, which I'm sure we'll get into, is that the run. A- I felt sometimes the run action was too too much for this offensive line to handle in pass protection. They really got themselves into difficult situations, yeah. and I think actually because of all of the defenders that the Panthers started sending at them, I think it started to. I don't. I I think doing that so as much as they did actually really affected them later in the game when having to deal with some of the more exotic pressure packages they started to see. Uh, and so it kind of backfired, like the the uh, 
the attempt to do that really backfired because it didn't even help the run game. Like it didn't help open those lanes up because the Panthers just didn't really respect anything downfield combination of not having Rashad Bateman and not ha- and and the elements. Um, I think sort of contributed to that. I think they picked their poison and they thought, you know what. If you beat us deep and you beat us by throwing the ball deep, then you beat us and we'll hold our hands up. But you're not, yeah. you certainly, you're like, we're going to, we're going to sit on everything else. And I, yeah. I think that's what we saw happen. Yeah. I think that's a very good point. I think that's, that's the way I saw this game as well. But uh, uh, yeah, it did, it does everything you can do tricky in the, in the, in the run game still requires the, the, the defense to respect the rest of the field. You, you made another good point um, earlier about, running multiple plays off the same concept. And I think I've, I've had a lot of good guests on the show and they, and they say it different ways. But the, the one I like best was Coach Evans, who came on the show and said um, that, the, 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 that your offensive linemen, and it, it could include tight ends as well, but your offensive linemen all are working basically off the same set of keys for a run concept. They, they're, they're, they're doing the same things. And, the, and you can look at the eligible receivers as just window dressing for that. They're the, they're the ones who have different responsibilities based on what's going on. And that, that might be a slight oversimplification of it, but it's but it's right on the money in terms of of what Roman is trying to build in terms of building that continuity of the offensive line uh, and, and having them know exactly what their responsibilities are um, scheme by scheme within the playbook and then being able to, to have offensive players who uh, you know can work off that and reliably know where that lineman is going to be on that play relative to what their responsibilities are. So uh, I, I think that's good. I think Roman has really proven to be expert in his tenure here. And by the way, some nice things need to be said about Greg Roman over the course of his, over the course of this season, last season, the entire time he's been here. But um, one of the things he's proved to be expert at is layering the playbook week to week is that we've seen concepts added as the season rolls on. I know all teams do it. You try to come up with something new to show every single new team. You try and do your scouting on the last ones. But I think Roman has proved to be extremely good with that. Yeah. And I, I, like I said, I feel like his his strategy for this game f- felt pretty sound uh, go, sort of going into the game. I, I I think the Panthers showed some things that I didn't expect in this game from them defensively, having watched a number of their games before this game, uh, that they were they were far more effective against our they they were very ready prepared for this for our for our gap scheme. Mm-hmm. Um, and they used one thing they used really one thing they're quite good at actually is defending zone runs on the backside. That's what I found watching them, and they actually used that strength very well to yeah. to defend against the gap uh, against the gap scheme the the Ravens ran. They used Burns and Ito Grossmatos's athleticism very well um, to sort of attack those pullers and and really neutralize the Ravens running game. Could 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 not agree more. They, they multiple ways that pulls were breaking down here. One was in the middle because Derek Brown was just an absolute monster in this game, getting into the backfield. He obstructed. He got into a three car pileup with with uh, uh, involving Moses on a pull at one point. But the but you're, you're right about these backside run defenders. Is that Burns is so quick. Um, in particular, I, I thought I was more impressed with him probably than 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 uh, uh, Eder Grossmatos. Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah that, that that he he follows across that formation uh, very well. And some players, you know, Trell Suggs here uh, do it very well just out instinctually. They're faster than their than their their speed is. Uh, Brian Burns is very quick, and and he uh, he trails a play extremely well. And I, I thought Lamar had more bad reads in this game. 
than I can really recall happening recently. Is too many times where Burns knew it was going. And Burns got fooled a couple times too. I'm not saying he was perfect, but but this is a game where Lamar's reads were not up to the Muhammad Ali level I often tag him with uh, in terms of, uh, of being able to read opponent leverage. Yeah, there was a game, I feel like there was, I can't remember which one it was, but there was a game a few weeks ago where he did. He also had a few strange yeah. decisions on reads, but he, it felt like he'd righted that. But yeah, I, I completely agree. But I, yeah, I would. I was with you. Gross Matos got a couple. Burns got the majority, uh, and it was. And the other time, the other problems. I think the other issue was the amount of time the Ravens did multiple pullers because this was the other issue. There were at times when they pulled the tackle and the guard from the yeah. right side, and it just gave Burns an absolute free way of a kind of angle to go at. He just, ha- he didn't have to adjust to get around anybody. He could just go straight to the ball carrier uh, and his speed was, was, was devastating. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Jeremy Chin uh, was back for the Panthers in this game. Uh, I, I thought he did a reasonable job. He's, he's definitely a run defender that was supposed to help them a lot. Um, not, not saying he was perfect by any stretch, but he played every snap and, and that, that, actually was probably a big advantage for them in this game relative to other players. Hartsfield, I think, is there other, Miles Hartsfield, is there other uh, safety who might have been playing that position? I think that they were they were probably better off making that exchange anyway and having Chin. So uh, a good guy who we've, we've known as a good run defender in the past. Yeah, those and, and the thing that the Ravens will have looked at, I think, will have been the Bengals game. So that was one of the games I did on the Panthers before um, writing battle plans this weekend. And the Bengals, multiple pullers all of the time. And it was devastating to that Carolina defense. Hmm. Um, and they clearly just did work. They, they clearly had worked on it and were very ready for the Ravens version of it. So with with, with the Bengals... When they pull two, they're playing a, a, a more or less playing a power game. Maybe they occasionally are trying for some sort of cutback run, but it, it seems like the Bengals would be trying to play more power. But they're not certainly not zone reading with Burrow. No. So, so this is a, this is a, a talented running back running behind two extra blockers running to one side, and you're you're having to figure out how you block one backside guy from presumably from messing up the play somehow. Uh, so it might be a tight end. It might be nobody if you really are feeling clever about it. But m- most of the time, it's going to be somebody who's who's doing that. The uh, even even the there's the the really flat angle block from the center can be enough to take care of that backside defensive tackle. But if you don't block the end, I guess the Steelers were known for not blocking the end on plays like that for pulling running power and not blocking the end. But I, I don't think I think most teams now try and a, a, a attack it in some way. Uh, but but it's 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 interesting that a team you know you, you have two teams that are running these these counterplays these two man pulls and they have they have very different ways of doing because you look at the Ravens they run opposite the pull side of the players a lot yeah. yeah yeah and I actually felt they could have probably done that a bit more in this game actually um uh to that, well that speaks to Lamar's reads a little bit as well but just to to kind of um to what's the word matter to matador brian burns a little bit more to, throughout mm-hmm. this game but yeah that's a good one a new good new verb i like i'm going to use that again I'm, i guarantee you <laughs> uh we talked a little bit about that the red zone failures have been an ongoing problem the, the ravens one of four in the red zone uh they had a punt when they reached the red zone during this game which is that's unbelievable uh, but uh, but they they got the ball inside the 20 and they ended up back on the 41 and had to punt the ball after after a uh penalty and a sack uh so anyway that was that was not good 
in most ways, this team is pretty much exactly where I want them going down the stretch. I think they're good enough to beat every single team left on the schedule, including Cincinnati. I, th- I think that that uh, you know they they pretty much have a good blueprint in place to play good defense and good enough offense to get there. Uh, and I think this defense is going to emerge to be one of the best in the entire NFL over the last seven weeks. So I think they're in a good good position generally. But if I had to I had to come up with the one thing that this team needs to do better, they need to do a better job of converting their red zone opportunities. Can't rely on Tucker, uh, you know, to end up kicking field goals and exchange sevens for threes. Yeah, and it's the one it's the one element of the 2019 offense that I just wish would come back. It was the thing that was just so. It, it made that offense so potent because it was just so efficient. I just think back to that that Rams game in in LA where they just couldn't stop scoring touchdowns in the red zone, and it's just it it has gone away. Uh, I, I m- maybe there is when there's when there's more of a threat from from a J.K. Dobbins and uh, from a Gus Edwards in the backfield that you can get more stuff running the ball in the red zone. Um, that they that they that it that it maybe a little bit more efficiency comes back, but that's my my sort of only hope at the moment because I'm not sure that they they necessarily have the the horses to be able to to really improve things. Yeah, they they have they certainly have some question marks. I think you know one another thing that I want to see return in terms of red zone effectiveness is getting Lamar straight line throwing opportunities in the in the red zone. And now some of that comes off his own reads. And you mentioned the Rams game, but he had that great inside read. I think it was on a throw to Sneed where he looked across the the line and 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 one of the defenders, it might have been number 20, had had outside leverage. I think again, I think it was on Sneed on a play where it was just an easy pitch and catch TD and and Orlovsky was slobbering over it in terms of it being just next level read stuff from Lamar. Uh, you know, he certainly needs to do that well, and hopefully that's that that will you know be there for Lamar. But the other thing is they did a great job of scheming side to side movement. We saw it in the Saints game again, uh, getting him rolling right with eight blockers, I believe. You know, they only had two guys, I believe, in the pattern. One likely had the touchdown. I want to see more of that kind of a side to side movement that allows Lamar to extend the play, find the straight line opportunity because that's what's powerful about the Ravens' offense is they don't throw fades. They don't throw jump balls in the end zone. They 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 look for a direct open window for Lamar to throw the ball through, and they've been very successful doing it. Uh, just uh, that's that's what I want back from nineteen, probably more than anything. Yeah, I agree. All right, uh, what do we got? We want to talk about the yards per play was at four point seven. Obviously, um, the Ravens' offense. If if, if you're four point seven with low variance, if they're running the ball really effectively, they they could do that potentially. It might be okay, but four point seven is generally speaking too low to win an NFL game, to, or to, to 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 think you have a good chance uh, to win an NFL game. And what was worse about it is they still gave up a lot of variance in this game with some sacks and the uh, interception, of course. So uh, not an ideal offensive performance by any stretch. The fact that they outperformed the Panthers, I don't think is what the Ravens ought to be uh, really focused on in terms of deciding whether this performance was good enough or they can get by it, uh, by with it. But uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know that I have much more to say about it than that. No, other than that, that I think they're going to see, we've probably gone over this a bit too much now, but other than that, I feel like there might be s- some good learnings from this game for them, that this this type of defense 
like this defense is flawed. The Panthers defense is extremely flawed. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were helped by the elements and they were helped. They were, they were given a big helping hand. So they may be able to, to glean some things from this game in terms of facing a defense that can effectively take away a deep ball and are happy to sit on underneath routes and are, and are able to, to play aggressively against the run. They might be able to learn some things about how to, to win against the defense like that in, into the, uh, into January. Yeah. Uh, so that might be the only sort of saving grace from this that, yeah, they didn't play particularly well against the defense that isn't great, but was, was majorly helped, I think, uh, by the elements. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I certainly am going to hope in January that, that, uh, that we don't have this kind of weather, but you, you can do worse than what they had in this game. It was, I mean, it was windy, but it's, it wasn't as horrible as you can get in Buffalo or even in Kansas city in January. Yeah. So let's let's move on talking a little bit about Lamar. Um, first thing I want to just talk about is is how the offensive line gave him time here in this game. So he had thirty six passing attempts. Ten of those were ample time and space, so twenty eight percent. Not not a particularly good number. I, I left it in my notes that that was a season high. That's actually from last week when he had fifty two percent his actual season high. So it gives you an idea <laughs> of, of like how often it is. He completed seven out of nine passes for 72 yards um, and 7.2 net because there's a sack in there. So uh, n- not terrible or anything, but certainly not great uh, in terms of ample time and space. I'll just go quickly through this and get your comments on it. 11 ball out quicks. Now this is where the Ravens did a lot better. They completed 10 of those 11 passes for 79 yards. That's 7.2 yards per play also. But it's a better 7.2 yards per play because it's lower variance. So you're, you're getting a lot more plays that are completed. And there were a couple negative plays in there. But basically, they were, they were completed passes which have, are, are closer to their average yards uh, number. And they're, they're in a, a better position than giving up sacks and potentially turnovers. So uh, that was good. Getting the ball out quick seemed to work. I think we'll see more of that in the coming weeks. Where are you on that? Yeah, I think we definitely will see more of that in coming weeks. I, I feel like that's a that is something that they're going to have to do more and more and more. I do, I do think, especially without Stanley for a few weeks, but I, I do think this this I do think this offensive line. I think obviously it's probably somewhere in the middle in terms of a pass protecting offensive line between last um, two weeks ago and this week. Mm-hmm. I do think it's closer to that performance against the Saints in reality. Uh, I think this was a. Like I said, I think this was a strange game in the way that the things that they asked the offensive line to do in this game. Uh, and I also think they were they were terrified of Brian Burns. And they really were like they 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 put a lot of attention on him um, as, in terms of their pass protection. And it'll be interesting to see if they kind of replicate that in the future, because I actually felt sometimes the as as can sometimes happen when you chip i actually felt sometimes that they were hurt like it, stanley was hurt by the the help he got at times um on birds yes. i felt yeah it's kind of like you you're you're playing tennis with a partner who who isn't any good and they're just they're just obstructing you on the court kind of thing uh it, it's it, it it does sometimes feel like that you get you get players who overchip sometimes to the inside then they and you, you know give up inside leverage to that player because of it i definitely you could see that happening from time to time uh what else i want to talk about yeah 15 pressure events against lamar he completed 7 of 13 for 42 yards this only came out to 2.8 yards per play 
uh, minus 15 on two sacks uh, included on those. So not uh, not what you want by any stretch. I believe that also included the interception. Yeah, it did because it was it's it's automatically a pressure it was at the line of scrimmage. So um, so that was uh, you know a, a poor set of plays. But it's obviously not good when they have 15 pressures. And maybe it's not obvious, but 15 pressures out of 36 is not particularly good. The Ravens need to hold that number down. Um, it was not. Not much of that was on the offensive line. It was primarily on with add uh, additional blockers coming unblocked with some failures by uh, eligible receivers in blocking that that a lot of that pressure occurred. Yeah, I I would agree. Yeah. All right. So uh, the Ravens went after Lamar with with, uh, between three and five men on every single play. I'll just give you this real quickly here. Uh, with three men, they did it twice for 13 yards, six and a half yards per play. They did 21 four-man rushes. That was that was the bulk of what they did, um, and that was 21 for 124, 5.9 yards per play. And then they did 13 for 56 with five men, so 13 five-man rushes. So fair amount of blitzing in this game. They blitzed over over a third of the time anyway, maybe about 30, 36%. So it's, it's reasonably high for for the NFL these days. And those plays went for only 4.3 yards per play. So again, we're kind of seeing what has been an ongoing trend. Now, there was one team that let up. I think that was the Saints uh, who did a lot of four-man rushes. But basically every team for about the last six weeks has been putting extra pressure on Lamar and, and getting paid off for it. Yeah, and interestingly, though, that that number, I think, is their season average. I think from going through it for the... For battle plans, I'm pretty sure their season average is about that high. So they they are quite um, a reasonably heavy blitzing team. Steve Wilkes has, has been throughout his throughout his career, really. Um, so they 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 stuck to. I mean, that's still a, a decent. Like, that's still blitzing quite a lot. So uh, like them sticking to their guns and not rolling back from that is probably the story. Is the story there? So they definitely did go after him, and they were getting they were getting they were getting joy, especially with some of those those pressure packages. Some of which weren't particularly exotic. Um, so it wasn't like there were sort of, yeah, there was stuff that the Ravens offensive line wouldn't have seen before. Um, so it was interesting. The other thing that that the Ravens offensive line have dealt badly with, I think, um, is stunts. And there were a couple of stunts that were that were effective in this game as well. They haven't um, really got that down yet, I don't think, as a, as a unit. I did. I picked up on one during the offensive line scoring that was definitely a missed pickup by, by Lindebaum. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but other, other than that, you know, it's it, they're they're facing definitely a, a very tough defensive front, and I, I, we have to talk about Derek Brown for a moment and just how freaking talented the guy is. But um, he is the unbelievable meshing of a great power player. I mean, he's unbelievably large and physical, but he's also a great finesse player. You know, you see his swim move, and it's just unbelievably good. Uh, Linderbaum had a lot of length issues, a lot of size issues with him. He got ragdolled by him twice in this game that are as bad as I've ever seen an offensive lineman treated in a game. And in particular, um, let me point out the play because it's one you'll want to go back and watch if you haven't already caught yourself. But on the, okay, there was a run left for minus one on the Ravens' second to last drive. It was the second play of their second to last drive. Not the, including that one play where they knelt. It's the previous drive to that, the second play worst ragdolling you'll ever see of an NFL lineman. It's like this guy does not belong in the league, um, but it's Derek Brown on the other side who's doing it to him with one arm throwing him to the ground. Uh, that is that is just a, uh, you know, a, he is a remarkable physical specimen. Jordan Davis has nothing on him. 
in terms of, of uh, being a great defender. Absolutely. No. Um, you know, and uh, when you're when you're evaluating prospects in the draft, you have your fair share of hits and misses. But I, I was a I was a huge Derek Brown fan coming out of Auburn, and he has definitely you know he's taken a little bit of time, but he's definitely living up to those expectations. The the guy is um, the guy is special. I think uh, you're totally right. It's that combination of power with his with with the way he uses his hands. It's it's it's. Um, it's really scary. I actually thought so. Having um, <laughs> have it, I don't. I don't want to give him too much of a pass because he, he didn't have his best game by any stretch, Linderbaum. But understanding how good Derek Brown is, I actually felt like in pass protection, he dealt with him reasonably well. There obviously were a couple of abomination reps, but I felt like on the whole, he was he was he did an, he did a he did a pretty good job against not a pretty good he did an okay job against a a guy who you know is an all pro and will be for the next five six years and he's in his rookie year so i kind of had a i'm sure we'll talk about linda Baum, yeah here's here's the thing i want to talk about and we'll stick a pin in that but there were a lot <laughs> of excuses made for linda Baum specifically to his status and the size of the other guy and all these things and i want to talk about that with linda Baum, but let's stick a pin in That's that for right now uh, other things about about Lamar I want to talk about here. Careful with the football, obviously. He's betrayed by a lot of drops in this game, obviously, which held down his statistics. But there were four or five drops uh, in this game pretty easily that uh, uh, that just weren't didn't look good. And really, what's one of the reasons you find Robinson, you trust him because he catches the ball nine out of nine times in this game. Yeah, and it, it was a shame because he, I felt like um, across the course of the game, Lamar was really sort of, it felt like he was quite dialed in with the way he, with his reads. You saw, you saw him go through his progressions on several occasions. It felt like it was a really, a really good game from Lamar, not just in terms of his pro, in terms of his processing, but also with his place with his ball placement, his accuracy. Yeah. In that sense, it was a really good, really good, really good outing from him throwing the football. Uh, but it doesn't look as efficient as it should have done because of the because of the drops. Yeah, the the drops obviously bad. He didn't throw a touchdown. Didn't have an interception. So, or sorry, did have an interception. So it's it those things are going to haul down a passer rating that that might otherwise be okay. Um, the big difference in his game, though, between this week and last in New Orleans, he had forever to throw three point six five time to throw uh, against the Saints. That dropped to two point sixty three this week. Now, some of that was by choice. It was schematic, trying to get that ball out quickly. Completely respect it. Um, others of it was they were just he was just not able to extend plays in in the same way and I thought the Panthers did some of the things to rush their spy a little bit late in in the play I mean just a, a half tick off of the, the the start of the play um you know making usually a good read about whether that running back was going out for a pass or not as it was and uh and get get in there and get pressure on Lamar which I thought did some uh you know cr- created obviously some quicker passing attempts in this game yeah, and actually, I think the spy, the spy delayed blitz um, was on the interception. I think that happened on the interception, didn't it? Um, I think the 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 spy was coming late, and that was why the read I felt was good on the interception because Lamar re- replaced essentially the the delayed blitz from the linebacker to Andrews. But obviously, the the big guy got his hands on it and made the made the free catch. Uh, but it did feel like it was a it was a good read that because of the the delayed blitz. But they definitely did. I definitely caught that too. Yeah, no, normally that is just a batted pass. You still it is what it is in, in actuality. The Ravens got one of them too to end the game yeah. in terms of a of a you know ball that being turned into an interception. Uh, 
Uh, I mean, this is obviously not a great team, although they do have some strengths and some of the strengths are defensive, um, particularly on the edge with, with, with Burns and, and also with Brown. But um, they dialed in on the pressure schemes that were that have been effective against Lamar. And um, they dialed in on probably more because of the weather. I think, you you know, a lot of the things that you said really apply well to the weather. One thing that would come up, you know, with Wilkes, why not run some cover zero blitzes in a game like this? Yeah, it, it was it was odd. It was kind of he was very much not not going to do that. And you saw that there was there were quite a, f- a few occasions where they they really sat in some of the kind of the coverage you would expect you, you sort of used to see from the from the Dolphins in those games where the Dolphins um you know, uh, last year with that Dolphins game where they they sort of sat in those straight. I mean, it wasn't quite the same, but we saw t- uh, on Sunday. But those sort of strange coverage, just those strange sort of underneath zones, everybody in an underneath zone, and and sort of playing sort of um, playing slightly off. They they did run quite a bit of that, and they were really aggressive on anything underneath. They were coming up and playing it. That the, one of the most effective plays I felt in the whole game was the. Um, completion to Demarcus Robinson on the first drive where Lamar was able, and actually the Pat Ricard wheel route that got dropped, mm-hmm. where Lamar was able to kind of uh, sort of just wait just an extra beat and he got somebody in behind some of that aggression. Uh, I've, I kind of wanted to see them do that a little bit more th- throughout the, the rest of the game and they sort of went away from it a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Patrick Ricard is not the ideal guy to run that wheel route, but uh, but it was it was very cool to see him out there and very not cool to see him drop it. And it would have been even less cool if he had caught it, because then we would have had the IDP on Moses bring it back. So a uh, combination of, of kind of some bad factors there. Um, and, and this kind of brings me to my last point about Lamar. And then we'll uh, we'll close out this this first segment here. But does it make sense for the Ravens to go the rest of the way and dedicate themselves to building a strategy to beat pressure specifically? In the playoffs, if weather is worse, they may face more of it. Any team they face in the playoffs is kind of very good sense of how Lamar Jackson handles pressure relative to not. So they, they, it seems like they have two options. One is learn how to beat pressure as they go along and demonstrate you can do it, which is not a bad way to do it. Or the other is keep it hidden how you're going to beat pressure. Develop your set of plays from what's not working. Use them on the practice field and bring them out in that in that first playoff game. Yeah, and bait it from from someone like that there's there is the the possibility that i mean that would be very very clever and mm-hmm. if they are playing that long game you know that 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 really deserves some credit i think uh, you know baiting a team like that because the thing you could you you could say is that actually earlier in the season they were dealing with pressure a lot a lot better mm-hmm. um and some teams started to go away from it a little bit sort of after the first few games uh, and then they started to deal with it a l- little bit worse again. So perhaps they they have solved it, and <laughs> they're playing that long rope a dope game. Awesome. That. Yep. Maybe we'll we'll see. I'm definitely not going to give them that credit yet. All right. Well, outstanding, fantastic discussion always with you, James. I have to be ca- careful about time, so we're going to cut off this first segment here. Tell folks where they can talk football with you. Yeah, I'm on Twitter at NFL Ogden for as long as it still exists. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you can uh, also find me on Russell Street Report each week writing the weekly battle plans article, um, which gives you a kind of a look into the the schematic um, sort of preparations that would be made by the team and how they might go about winning each game. And then every year you'll be able to read my um, my draft reports in the draft report I put out um, and on Red Star Baltimore, which is my own site. 
I, I want to say highly recommend that. And, and we're going to find some way to link that or to promote that with next year when that comes out. Probably have you on for some draft shows anyway. So, so give you a good chance to promote it there. But that is a great product there. Uh, it's not even a product. You don't sell it. No, it's, 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 it's just out there for, for, for everybody to enjoy and understand. And, and it's a, it's a, a, a great piece of work that, uh, that James has done. Other folks out there, if you'd like to be on a film study short, hit me up. DMs are always open on Twitter. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, topic you're passionate about the Ravens, 20 to 25 minutes. Had a lot of people come in on the bye week and do shows. And we got a little bit jammed up in terms of what we've got, but those will all be distributed over the next week to 10 days. And, uh, and hope uh, people enjoyed their, uh, their time on. I know I enjoyed talking to you. James, thanks again for coming on. Thanks, Ken. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.